I'm Darren Parmenter with Colorado State University in La Plata County. And I'm Tom Bartels from GrowFoodWell.com, and this is The Garden Guys on location today. Where are we, Darren? We drove all the way out to Hesperus today on the west side of La Plata County, and we are at the Old Fort at Hesperus. And what's going on here at the Old Fort? It's like, what's not going on here? It seems like it's a pretty cool space. They've been... uh, being pretty active in the world of ranching and farming they have an educational garden for vegetables they have a couple hoop houses they've got this huge field here that's growing veggies they got a hay field up top to raise cattle out here so it is a bustling little community out here at the old fort and today we're going to be talking to the people involved in participating and running the uh, farmers in training program which uh, we're pretty interested in because they're doing good things to bring the next generation of farmers online. It is. I mean, and if even if this brings on the next generation of backyard gardeners, that's just as much of a benefit. But yeah, if we can have some folks that get into this world of farming and out here, it gives them that opportunity to try their hand at farming without a ton of risk. They don't have to go and buy five acres of land in southwest Colorado, which can be quite the mortgage payment um they don't have to create infrastructure or buy infrastructure so they can have that opportunity to uh get their feet wet and either jump in the pool or decide to jump in a different pool so alicia what i'll see is the uh one of the captains out here so you say and we're going to kind of get an overview of what's happening at the old fort from her perspective which is probably better than either of our perspective and see what she has to say good morning alicia good morning Can you give us a general outline of how the program runs? Yeah, so Fort Lewis College took over management of the old fort in 2010, and Beth Lachelle um, has been running the property since that point. And she has a background in ag and started um, this space that we're standing in now, the education garden, to help Fort Lewis students learn about organic weed management practices. Um, A couple of years later, she started the incubator program, which is a program for beginning farmers who want to start their own businesses. They get low-cost access to land, water, mentorship, and marketing assistance for up to five years. Um, I started working here in 2015, and what Beth and I were noticing is that Um, aspiring incubator farmers were coming in with very little experience. So we wanted to create a program that offered an immersive experience in farming that would help prepare someone to start their own farming business. And we started the Farmer in Training or FIT program in 2016. Um, That program ran for a couple of years on a small scale and starting in 2022, we scaled up. So these days, the program has up to 16 spots for folks It's a five-month program that runs from mid-May through mid-October, and folks get um, a balance of classroom education and paid field work. So we've um, tried to evolve to focus on high-elevation growing practices. The old fort is at 7,600 feet, um, so it's a pretty ambitious location and elevation to be growing at. Um, And we also center indigenous practices and crops which we'll go take a look at in a bit. You know, some of the challenge that we've seen with young farmers or beginning farmers is just access to markets, access to land, access to capital, um, and then access to education. People see the romance associated with farming, 
but don't really understand the real world practices. How do you all out here at the old fort address some of those challenges? You mentioned the elevation. Here's number one. You're going to try and grow at 7,600 feet. Good freaking luck. Right. And you guys have figured it out and how you can do it with different techniques. But some of those other things in terms of like access to capital or access to land, you know, do you see those things becoming a, a more of an issue down here in Southwest Colorado over the years? Yes. Um, so we have worked on addressing access to education and also access to hands-on training, which I think is a key part of becoming a farmer. It's where folks can figure out if they love it or hate it, for one thing, um, and also really gain the the physical skills they need, the embodied knowledge to continue farming. And I want to mention that we work with a variety of really skilled farmers um, as instructors in our programs, including Mike Nolan out in Mancus, um, who's really been able to articulate some of the key things to watch um, at high elevation. And we've really tried to hone in on the crops that work and the, the crops that don't. Um, but in terms of access to capital and land, those are certainly things that we're increasingly trying to consider, um, not necessarily within the FIT program, because folks in that program are really just looking for an introduction to farming, and they're weighing whether they want to continue it as a career, um, but as farmers continue with us or continue in the region. So we're doing that in a couple of ways. Um, through a network of other farming farmer supporting organizations in Colorado, um, Wyoming, and New Mexico. And we meet three or four times a year and make sure that farmers in our networks are connected to the resources offered by those other programs. So those may include um, land access, continuing education, no interest loan programs, um, etc. So that our farmers, even if they move around the West, can carry their high elevation growing skills with them um, and tap into a community of support. Um, we're also considering the long-term land access issue in this region by working as part of the Southwest Equitable Land Access Project, which started about a year and a half ago as um, a collaboration between our program and the two regional land trusts, Montezuma Land Conservancy and La Plata Open Space Conservancy. Um, we held a series of community listening sessions in the spring, and we're working on thinking through those results and understanding how to work on a number of different projects that are out there and thinking about how to best fill the need in this community for land access for beginning farmers and also for indigenous communities. I guess we always thought that, uh, you know, a success would be, a success story would be someone who's becomes a long-term or, you know, farmer or rancher. We also have to start to think about some of those success stories, maybe someone who decides not to do it, right? So they don't invest all that capital. They don't try to go find land. They just decide, like, this isn't for me. I'm going to choose a different career path. That, to me, is also a success story. Yes, and whatever career path they choose, they're bringing their knowledge of farming and what farmers go through and what the food system looks like from the farm up to whatever career they choose. And oftentimes our graduates do stay in food systems work. Um, so they're bringing their awareness of how to support farmers in a local food system into whatever they do. I would also say that a farming success story can look like farming for a handful of years, five years or a decade. Like, I don't think that we need to put an expectation on farmers in particular that they must choose farming as a career that they do for their entire life. We 
let other people move around and switch careers. So let's kind of open up the same possibility for farmers because it can be something that um, is really beneficial and engaging in your 20s and 30s. And it may be something that people want to shift out of as their bodies age um, or as their interests change or as they um, have families. So I think that I like to bring some flexibility and like, what are we expecting a farmer to be to the way we um, make our program accessible and the way we kind of coach people along their path? I think it's a great point you make about the age of farmers and how the body ages and how the work is demanding on the body. But with national statistics and looking at the average age of farmers out here, this program seems particularly valuable because of the fact that you're training a younger generation of farmers. Yes, um, most of our participants are in their 20s and 30s, and um, some of them will go on to become farmers. And I believe the average age of farmers nationally is 58. Um, so we're looking at farmland transition and you know, who will be stewarding those farmlands in the future. I think it's a question about um, climate change, actually, and like carbon sequestration, who's going to care for that soil and actually maintain or improve the practices that have been happening there. Will that land be lost to development? Um, And if we don't have people who are prepared to manage that land, um, that transition looks very much like those lands will be going out of farming. It's also thinking about who the farmers are nationally. They're often uh, farmers who are managing huge farms, and we're training farmers to manage small-scale farms. So it's not a one-to-one, but certainly there are ways for people to learn large ranch or farm management if they decide to go that direction. So can we tour a little bit of the property and maybe see and talk to some of the people in the program? Absolutely. Let's do it. My name's Maggie Magurski. I'm the education garden manager here at the Old Ford at Hesperus. I started my farming career six years ago here as an intern, and then I worked at Twin Buttes Farm, came back for a season of the farmer training program, kind of when it was a different format, and took a few sabbatical years of trying to attempt to grow my own garden, trying, failing, working on someone else's farm, figuring out that's not for me, and then getting that call from above to come back here to like where it all started for me in this region so it's it's a really uh sacred place to say the least in my mind to be offered an opportunity to come back here and teach and be a leader and be a role model um even though my role isn't formally as an ed- as an educator I'm the manager of the education garden so it creates a lot of space to play with is kind of how I feel just play with the experience of growing food and becoming a person is sort of where I had my coming of age, I feel like, was out here. Yeah, in my early college days at Fort Lewis. How do those two things interrelate for you? So being an education, but then there's also being an education garden. Like what kind of education is happening, you know, hands-on, but then also classroom or yurt? Is there the combination of the two? There is a good combination. So Mike Nolan um, is our primary uh, hard lessons. He's our textbook guy for our classroom setting. And they get into into everything from specialty crops at high elevation to, um, you know, really just honing in on specific plants, methodologies, IPM. 
Duke and I, as the field managers, we have the ability to give them the on-the-ground experience of, here's here's maybe a better way to harvest XYZ, or here's this trick that I learned with so-and-so to weed faster, or, right. you know, those, those sorts of things. And then uh, on a deeper level, we kind of just get into how to, like, walk through life with the garden as a space to... I, I, it's... I'm getting so, like, esoteric about it, but I don't take it lightly either, because I I guess the best example for me, like, as far as current events happening here at the Old Fort, um, it's a big deal to me that I'm the only Indigenous staff member here, Um, and I was able to provide an experience for two of our students to collect corn pollen with our Hopi blue corn, and I actually was able to, like, pass down knowledge that was given to me by a Navajo mentor, I'm not Navajo, I'm Clinket tribe, but I was able to share that with them in a really kind of intimate and personal setting. And it's one of, it's the foundation of Diné culture uh, is corn. So I thought that was real special to be a part of. And, you know, even though it's not mine to claim, but I was able to kind of support and uplift to reach that goal. Um, so that's, that's really tangible cultivating life experience there for these these young people um one of those students is just 19 we have everyone from uh 18 18 19 year old students and then i think our oldest was a professor at fort lewis who's 37 38 so what can you tell me you kind of mentioned it briefly earlier about the connectivity with cultivating food do you see any transformation in the students or what have you experienced when they go through the program Definitely, Tom. I feel like we, uh, we're we cultivating a lot of things here other than plants, right? And kind of like what I always fall back to, because I, I work with food in a hospitality setting as well, that the best way to reach an audience is to fill their stomachs. If you go through their stomachs and, and you're nourished, your ears open up, your eyes open up, you're more willing to open up to other ideas and possibilities that maybe your previous self-withholding thoughts were restricting you from. So I think that's the way I approach it with our students is like if if you if you're passionate about something, if you want to get something done, you can always kind of navigate through the lens of food. But it it's something that affects everybody. There's I always joke around when I get volunteers, I go, "Who here eats?" <laughs> um, raise your hand if you eat. <laughs> and then um kind of just like dismantling the disassociation with our food system too, creating that relationship with the different plants, tasting different things, combining basil with the tomato while we're in here weeding. I always try to cultivate an experience for them. And in that way, through taste and these senses and smells, I feel like it develops such a deep sense of respect for what we're doing. And that connects us as a whole to the rest of the food system. It's, it's so holistic. It's not coincidental that I was called back to this place and we're currently dealing with some really sort of heavy information i come from a line of people that descended from indian boarding school my uh, my great-grandfather was orphaned as a a clinket mixed clinket um child in alaska at wrangell institute and wrangell institute only closed in 1975 so these are this like having such a strong like lineage I feel like I need to honor that by being here, and like I do that by being on the ground with, with this, these young folks that are so they're just so excited to be here every day. They make, they make it worth like waking up. 
they they really give me something to wake up for and and just uh giving them exposure to different foods and plants ways of living different um like cultural ways of being uh it's super powerful it sounds like there's a diversity of subjects that are uh, experienced here uh, physical mental spiritual that's all part of having your hands dirty right like it's that's like, it's, it's, it's the healing yeah. we talk a lot about healing too you know like how can we heal the land and how do we heal ourselves through that and it's kind of a lofty endeavor and it kind of bears weight on my shoulders if well, I got to clock in and I got to heal the land all on my own. Like there's so much that I'm not even responsible for. How can I put this upon myself? But as a community, as a collective, as a community, and we set that intention, the beginning of the season, we have various indigenous mentors and elders that come and pray with us and hold space for what's happened on this land, just to give respect and honoring, honoring everything that's happened here, you know, the healing is transformational. I, I see it. I see it happen. I just see people like becoming more of themselves, and it's it's really beautiful. Um, you know, people that maybe were shy in April, uh, they're you know the life of the party now. You know, they just grow into themselves and get comfortable. Like it's it's really it's a gorgeous thing to witness. This is my sixth season growing things uh, professionally, and I know I know I don't want to stop. So it's, a, and I'm like, I, I didn't really like choose this either. So what do I, how do I move forward with this information? Like, how do I make the best of the next 60 years of my life? Like, what am I going to do with that? This seems like a really good place to fool around with those ideas of like, what kind of reality can we bring into existence in these small ways, just in the ways that we treat each other on a daily basis? So yeah. much more. You create this family in five short months, right? Like, and it's, it's cyclical. So next season... It'll be a whole new family that comes in that you create this amazing partnership and relationship with that you'll hold. So that combined with the relationship that you have with farming is going to be your foundation for whatever you said, your next 60 years of life. This will create that foundation. But it sounds like there's some farmers that maybe we can go talk to that are digging potatoes. Is that what I hear today? Today's potato day. We have some really fun individuals in the program this season, and they're up there digging potatoes and... um, we had a pretty good potato yield. We got some purple guys that are like that big. So on, those of you on radio, she's holding about oh, four inch. <laughs> yeah, you got big potatoes coming on. All manually harvested. None of that fancy uh, conveyor belt systems. Um, we we teach them large scale, but at a hu- at a human scale as well. So so should we walk up there and go talk to them? Let's go visit. Let's go visit. Well, who are we who are we talking to, Tom? We're talking to participants in the Farmers in Training program. Yeah, these are fits. And th- these are fit people. They're out digging potatoes. Yeah. There's about 12 of you out here right now. So what's it like harvesting potatoes today? How it's so? amazing out here. The weather's lovely. I'd say grounding, and pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you been learning this season in the uh, Farmers in Training program? Uh, In terms of potatoes, just a lot of cool cultivation practices that go alongside growing potatoes, like hilling them throughout the season, making sure that they don't have a lot of weed pressure, and then just kind of letting them go, die back, and then get in there and harvest them. Where do these potatoes go next? We have a lot of various clients, but one of our major ones is the dining hall on campus. At Fort Lewis College? At Fort Lewis College, yeah. Very cool. So this is local food, locally produced, and it's uh, feeding students at Fort Lewis. Yeah, right back to the community. So I have, a, I have a question for you guys. So you guys have not been farming for four months, three months, four months. 
I'm sure you're at five months. Yeah, you're definitely seasoned professionals. I want to hear favorite crop, least favorite crop. So what can't you wait to grow next year? And what are you saying there's no way in hell I'm growing in 2024? We'll just go around. My favorite crop is probably going to be the corn. I like listening to it. Uh, least favorite, probably the onions because you smell like it for days. You can't get rid of it, even when you go to bed. Yeah. I'd say my favorite is actually onions cause I, <laughs> because I like processing them. I feel like it's very, like therapeutic in a way just consistently doing the same thing over and over but we have a plethora of them so I feel like it's exciting just knowing that we always have a bunch of them I'd say least favorite is carrots <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know I'm like the carrots are fun and all but just washing and processing them takes forever too so yeah I was gonna say well okay my favorite is uh, I probably like the winter squash and like the I have grown pumpkins in my own garden at home too and it's just such a joy and then I was going to say that I didn't have a least favorite, and then Maddie said carrots, and I have to agree. <laughs> it's it's just not worth it. I mean, it is worth it, and they're so wonderful, and we grow great carrots up here, but the washing just takes a really long time. Um, I was going to say my favorite is zucchini, because I just love to cook with it. And then my least favorite is arugula, because I don't like that smell when you cut it. Oh. <laughs> Um, I'd say my favorite is beets because it's so beautiful. I love the color and there's so many different dishes that you can make with it. My least favorite is the green beans because it takes so much time to harvest and you're just bent over for hours and it starts to hurt your back. Uh, everyone's taken my favorites, but I'll go with sugar snap peas as my favorite um, just because I think they're really e easy to harvest. Like you can stand up straight and there's just two walls of peas on each side, which was kind of like mesmerizing at times. Uh, least favorite, I'd also have to say with the green beans being, um, and anything that was just bushy on low to the ground. My favorite has to be cucumbers. They're so much fun to harvest just digging through those plants, and I love cucumbers too, so it's very rewarding. And then I would have to say the bush beans are a pretty arduous harvest task. That's, that's a lot of just being really low to the ground for a long time, picking little things. <laughs> Um, my favorite was definitely, I have four favorites because of the Four <laughs> Sisters plot, and I really liked growing them all together. And I really love seeing, like, the giant winter squash now. I love the planting process of the corn, and it was just a really fun experience. My f least favorite are also carrots. <laughs> I love to snack on them on, in the field, but I just, there's, there's so many carrots here. <laughs> My favorite would have to be the onions, and my least favorite would have to be the cucumbers because and, and zucchinis because they're so sensitive. They can get scratched really easily, and they have scratchy leaves. My least favorite crop to grow is probably lettuce, uh, just because it's really tender, really not good at it, and <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems very sensitive to our climate. Favorite crop to grow is garlic. Um, I've recently started growing it for seed as part of a co-op called the Grasshopper Collective, which actually we're currently uh, selling seed through our online store. Check it out, Grasshopper Collective. <laughs> Dude, nice to get your plug in there. So we just that was Duke. So that last person, and he's like maybe kind of the the farm manager up here, production manager. He's also a, a previous student, ran the Environmental Center Garden up at the Fort Lewis College. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to see the progression of Duke from the EC Garden where he was calling me like every week, like what the hell is going on, <laughs> to like me now probably calling Duke to saying, 
like, hey, I need help with a certain crop. So it's really cool to watch this progression happen here. Uh, but yeah, the shameless plug for the garlic and the garlic collective is, is, is pretty sweet. Locally grown garlic, right? Like we close that circle. It's probably pretty special to have that ability to close the circle in Southwest Colorado. Anybody else like want to just kind of talk about what's your next step out of this? So, you know, freeze is coming, but 2024, is anybody at that point of ready to say, Hey, I'm going to upscale. I'm going to get a little bit larger. I'm going to move off this land and try to find my own space. If anybody wants to share that story, that would be amazing to hear as well. Yeah, the Old Florida Hesperus also offers an incubator program where you can rent uh, some acreage of already cultivated field space so you can kind of further have the chance to like hone your skills and develop greater practices in terms of farming. So hopefully building off of this program, I'm looking to do that next year and then try to take a stab at gardening and farming for myself and yeah, seeing how that process goes. I plan to, um, there's another company called Bitty Baby Foods in Shiprock and they do a, another program. So I'm interested in seeing that avenue, but also going back home and planning my own for my own family and just like people around the community in uh, Tawny Lake, Arizona. I might move to Oregon next summer and so I'm kind of thinking about starting a business where I can get a group of people together and then we go to small farms and we spend the day weeding and then we get to walk away with medicinal weeds and turn that into tinctures and stuff like that and through that like we can kind of redefine the way that we view weeds in terms of ourselves and their usefulness and just like their inherent value to the land. Uh, so I'm in grad school and so I'm looking into practicum projects. One idea is either looking into ways to support producer mental health as that it's a huge need within the local and you know nationwide community. Um, maybe exploring like horticultural therapy and uh, yeah something like that. As crusty farmer gardeners that Tom and I are um speak for yourself man um i feel old and crusty when i stand next to these folks but it does my heart happy to see this many young folks still smiling after harvesting potatoes for a little while that uh it's you know we work in education and, and we work in advocacy and to see you all doing this and to see what duke and alicia and maggie have done here it does our hearts happy so thank you for one sharing your experiences with us and two like again bringing a smile to our faces so thank you for that yeah give yourselves a hand now get back to work (laughs) no thanks a lot we do appreciate it alicia I wanted to share with folks a couple of ways to get involved. Um, Every winter and spring, we accept applications for the Farmer and Training Program, which runs mid-May through mid-October every year. Um, If you can't make that kind of commitment, folks can also join each of our courses separately. Those are in the afternoon during the summer, um, and that would just be getting in touch with us in the early summer to plug into those. Um, And then on the topic of land access and the viability of farming as a profession, I've started to ask myself more, what is the role of the larger community in making farming a viable profession? Um, We often think of farmers as people who can be self-sufficient and pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but it is also a very difficult profession. And what does it take as a society and as a community to build those structures that make it possible? That is a great point. That is a key part of getting sustainable agriculture in the region, for sure. 
And thanks for all your efforts and what you're doing out here. It's pretty amazing. Thanks so much for coming out and talking to us. Totally our pleasure. All right, people. That's it from Garden Guys on this day out at the fort. Pretty inspiring. Man, I, it does. It's it's. This is a pretty, in, it, like you just said, it's inspirational space with inspirational people um, and an inspirational community. Like we are such a treat to be able to come out here and hopefully take that to you guys via the the airwaves of of. There's so much space out here. The Darren's kind of lightheaded, <laughs> and uh, we're just wrapping up today at the old fort at Hesperus, and we're also wrapping up the season. No, we're not. Yes, we are. There no. might be one more oh. for the holiday. No, I want to yeah. keep going every week. Yeah, well, this yeah, is we got fall. a couple. We got a couple more, Tom. We got like, two more left in us yeah. towards the end of 2023. Uh, but it's been a fun year, and thanks to all of you for listening every week or occasionally or listening for five minutes and saying this sucks i'm listening to something else we appreciate that five minutes sincerely no it's been a pleasure and uh our second season of full 30 minute programs and uh we'll probably pop in on the airwaves for a holiday show or two but uh we're tapering off from the weekly so thanks for listening yeah thank you all and don't forget uh even if you have a crummy gardening year uh, there's always next year and uh you get what you get and you never throw a fit take care all